Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have a special guest with us, Keyshawn Durant. He is a former pro athlete, a motivational speaker, and author of his amazing book, Escalating Success, 101 Ways to Move Past Depression. Welcome to the show, Keyshawn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to have our listeners hear some about your story and to talk about your book. Can you share a little bit about your story, your childhood and growing up? I know you had some other successful athletes in your family and that type of thing, and and we always love to be able to share with the listeners some of the background. Well, pretty much my background is, well, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I was pretty much you know, bigger and taller than, you know, the average kid, you know, by the time I was 13 years old, you know, I was 6'2", 165 pounds at the age of 13. Wow. Yeah, I really hit my growth spurt pretty early. So, you know, pretty much the problem was, you know, at being such a, you know, at a young age, you know, I was so big, I wasn't able to play pop Warner football, you know, between the ages of 10 and 13 because I exceeded the weight requirements. So uh, I just decided to play basketball, which uh, was my second love. So I, you know, got a chance to, uh, you know, experience playing basketball, which I made a national AAU team, which uh, traveled across the United States and uh, played against different cities, such as, you know, St. Louis, uh, teams out of Florida, teams out of Georgia, you know, New York, Mm -hmm. uh, Connecticut, things like that. And then I actually didn't get a chance to play football until I was around 14 years old to Mm -hmm. uh, play junior varsity football. Mm-hmm. So you had quite an early career with uh, doing the athletic role and things like that, and that must have really impacted who you became as a person as far as having to have that sort of discipline and the training and all that. Would you say so? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you in all totality. I mean, it, it taught me, you know, sportsmanship, leadership, and, you know, the qualities of playing with people and, and you know, playing in a, you know, in a team environment at an at a, at a early age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that that hopefully leads into all that you're going to share in the book and things like that. So what was it that kind of um, changed things throughout your high school years and as you became a young adult? Were there anything in particular or did you just proceed on with your athletic career? Well, yeah, actually pretty much, you know, it really started, you know, when I uh, started high school, when I was in the ninth grade. You know, like I said, I, I started, I had an opportunity to play uh, junior varsity football and, you know, once I played football for the first year, it just seemed like everything was coming to me, you know, pretty normal. You know, like a lot of kids, you know, they had to, you know, work a lot, you know, do a lot of weightlifting and, and, and do a lot of things. But a lot of those things was coming naturally to me, you know, as far as, you know, being faster than everybody else. And, you know, I got an opportunity to uh, experience, you know, playing in high school, playing basketball, football, baseball. I ran track and I also played soccer. So, you know, I played, you know, I was in all the sports at my high school. And, you know, I was pretty much, you know, ahead of the game, you know, as far as, you know, my athletic ability. And, you know, uh, by the time I was in the 12th grade entering um, college, you know, I was getting recruited pretty much by, you know, every college in the United States. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, during high school, I really didn't, you know, set goals on trying to make education a, a priority. Right. So when I got a chance to, you know, enter college playing football, you know, I really was lacking in the educational part of it. So I ultimately had to go to a HBCU school, which is a historically black university. I couldn't attend a, a Division One university because of my grades. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And how did you deal with that challenge? I mean, I'm sure that must have been disappointing for you and frustrating. 
Well, actually, it wasn't too much disappointing. You know, my main thing was just to, you know, try to further my education and, and be able to play sports, which I got a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it wasn't too bad because I wasn't, you know, able to go to a Division One school. You know, I just wanted to, you know, extend my education and, and be able to play sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I'm glad that you shared that because I know there's a lot of young people that listen to the show and sometimes they, you know, want to get to the top so fast and they want to be the best, but there's sometimes different ways to go about that. That's right. So what happened during those later years during your uh, college career and how did things change for you in your life and the situation you were in? Well, actually, you know, after I you know, completed high school, got my high school diploma, I actually fell under a rule which is in Division One sports, which is called the Proposition 48 or Proposition 42, which means when you're entering college, you know, back in the day, you know, that was back in 1991. I don't know what the stipulations are today, but back then you had to have a 700 on the SAT or you had to have a C, uh, C average to be able to, you know, get a scholarship your first year, regardless of what type of school you had to mm-hmm. go to. But I was lacking in one of those departments, which I didn't have a, a C average going into college, so I had to sit out my first year, which that was my first devastating blow because, you know, like I said, I was used to playing sports since I was the age of 14 and mm-hmm. wasn't able to play my first year. So actually, you know, my first year, you know, I had time to buckle down on my studies, you know, and uh, I got my grades up and I was able to play my sophomore year. But going into my sophomore year, I had a I had a minor stroke, which paralyzed the right side of my face. So mm. ultimately, so ultimately, I, I I lost my scholarship, you know, because it uh, it messed up my peripheral vision on the right side right side of my face, and you know, I still got a chance to play semi pro ball, which I did, you know, mm-hmm. which I was so happy about that because I could continue playing football. But after I played those two years, I did pretty good, and I had another blow to me. I uh, tore my ALC and my knee, and, you know, back then in the early 90s when you had those type of injuries, your career was over with, and my career was over with after that. Wow. I had no idea about the stroke. Weren't you quite young to have a stroke, and was there something that uh, led up to that, or was that just a random act that happened to you? Well, actually, I had no idea. Well, you know, the stroke was a result of me having uh, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, which, you know, runs pretty rampant in my family. You know, I I lost my grandmother at an early age in our early 50s, you know, due to, you know, high blood pressure. My mother has it, and that was my problem. I had high blood pressure, and I was in a tip-top shape, and I had no idea that I had hypertension, and that was the result of the stroke Mm -hmm. because of hypertension. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you deal with those things? I mean, that sounds like so much frustration and change and heartache in a sense for you. I know that you did get to go on and do different things, and of course you've gone on and you're very successful now. But I'd love for you to be able to share with the listeners, how did you deal at that time with whatever feelings you were having or having to first deal with the minor stroke and then the knee injury? Are there things that you can share with the listeners to help encourage them when they're going through difficulties such as that? Well, well, first of all, I mean, it was very devastating for me because, you know, like I said, pretty much my whole, you know, youth and my adulthood was all sports. And, you know, when that was ripped away from me and taken away from me, it was very devastating for me because, like I said, you know, going into college, I wasn't very focused on my studies. So mm-hmm. I really didn't have a backup plan at the time. So I, I had no idea what to do. You know, I felt like I was in a world and lost. You know, I felt like I lost my identity mm-hmm. because everybody knew me as 
Keyshawn Durant, the athlete. So when I wasn't an athlete anymore, I really had no identity. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I really fell in a real bad, you know, form of depression. You know, like I said, I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get up in, in the mornings anymore to lift weights. I couldn't go to practice. I wasn't able to, you know, go and, and, and be with these guys that I was with, you know, for so many years. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very big blow to me. But, you know, ultimately, you know, everybody's different. I mean, you know, you have a lot of things that you do in life and, and it may come to a, a screeching halt and you have you really have to figure out a backup plan. You really have to, because if not, you're going to really fall into a form of depression. So mm-hmm. you have to really figure out something else to do besides, you know, well, me personally with sports, because eventually, even if I didn't have the stroke and the knee injury, ultimately, I couldn't do those things that when I got to a later age. So, right. you know, I... I you know, really, I, I I thank God for, you know, it happened to me at such a, a young age and trying to find an ultimate way of living. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, my athletic career was over with, which, you know, my wife, you know, I met my wife in college and she met me at a bad time in my life. You know, when I wasn't able to play sports anymore, you know, nobody was saying, hey, Keyshawn, how you doing anymore? Because I didn't offer the things that made people really focus on me and look at me and that mm-hmm. was you know playing football so i had to find an alternate you know alternate goal and, and find something else to do which you know i focused and buckled down i got my studies you know i met my wife and what she did for me is when i met her she knew nothing about my athletic past mm-hmm. so you know she was very interested in me we started dating you know i fell in love with her and we ultimately got married and you know going through that process that made me realize that it's more to Keyshawn Durant in sports, and she mm-hmm. was really the one who helped me get out of that that the bottom of the chest feet. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I love that you shared that part of your story because I think that is critical for people to understand that you know really it's not what we do, it's not our career, it's not the physical things that we can do, it's what's in our heart and our mind, and usually that's the very thing that people fall in love with us for or drawn to us for that has meaning and depth to it that can make it for the long term, if you will. So I think that's awesome. And And I love what you're saying, too, to have a backup plan. I think that a lot of times we get so wrapped up and we're so driven in one thing and we can find success and, you know, be happy in that, but we don't ever think about that backup plan. What would it be like if we didn't have the life we have today? Right. You're right. Because, you know, like me playing sports, you know, I ultimately was taught that, you know, I was, you know, an indestructible person. You know, I, I, you know, I saw, you know, a lot of things happen to different people, you know, maybe injuries or they didn't actually make it to the professional level. But in my mind, I thought that, you know, those type of things could never happen to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, I play sports, you know, being arrogant. Well, not necessarily so arrogant, but just thinking that, you know, this, this couldn't happen to me. So, right. like I said, I, I never was in a position where I thought I had to do other things besides playing sports. And that is, that is so far from the truth because you always have to find something else to do just in case anything happens to your dream that you're trying to achieve that you think that you know your dream is what you want because it ultimately can come to an end and it's going to be devastating if that happens to you and you can't do what you you love so much that you've been doing for a long time in your life that's true that's true and i think it's critical in that same you know thought process to remember that we all have a purpose you know there's a purpose that we live out and sometimes it changes as we get older, as our life circumstances change. And that, too, is something for people to look at and consider that, you know, something might be great right now and you might have been really successful at something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that in particular is your life purpose and the plan that's laid out for you. 
Right, you're absolutely 100% correct because, you know, being at such a young age and doing things, you like I said, you think you, you know what you want out of life. And mm-hmm. and like I said, you have to you have to be prepared. And, and I, I talk to a lot of kids. You know, I talk to college students, middle school, high school, and even elementary kids. And I tell them, you know, you have to remember that, you know, me personally, I think experience is the best teacher in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you won't realize a lot of things until you experience it. That's right. So you have to have, you have to have your mind mentally stable and mentally prepared for things that, that you think that you want to do. And it may not, you know, it may not come out to how you want it to play out. And like I said, ultimately, I, you know, I stress this so much. People have to have a backup plan because if, you know, the, your dreams ultimately come to an end, you're really going to be in a place where you're stuck and, and, and not feeling good. You may physically be, you know, hurting and stuff like that because you feel like you, you, you're not being accepted. And the most devastating blow for me was when I couldn't continue my athletics. You know, I was, you know, depressed. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go back home because I felt like I let myself down and I let ultimately my city down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the very, I was in a very, very dark place. And, you know, to add insult to injury, I have two younger brothers. You know, my next brother is uh, Darren Durant. He's the quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and my baby brother. He's uh, a linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So mm. after, you know, I couldn't finish my career, I ultimately didn't watch sports for years. Mm. Then my brothers, you know, they proceeded and, you know, start doing good and, you know, in their sports. And, you know, I had to go back and I actually had to watch these guys play and, you know, do very well in their sports that they were playing. So that was something else that was, you know, stabbing me up pretty bad and, you mm-hmm. know, watching those guys play and I couldn't do it anymore. So that was adding in, insult to injury. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I can imagine how that must feel and as as you said your life was set up to be an athlete and that was what you knew at the time can you share with the listeners some of the things you did initially to start dealing with your depression I mean I'm sure at some point you realized okay this whole being depressed thing and not doing anything with my life is not going to work what did you do to start drawing yourself out of that and make some changes that kind of led up to writing the book and doing the motivational speaking well, actually, it, like I said before, it first started with my wife. After she, you know, after we got married and, you know, I started coming around and saying, well, you know, okay, I have to really let these sports go because I hung on to it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, you know, that's something that I was doing for a long time. And another factor uh, in my life that helped me get through that depression was, you know, the birth of my daughter, Brianna. Uh, I have two kids. I have my oldest daughter is Brianna. She's 12. Mm-hmm. And my my, my uh, youngest kid is uh, 10, uh, Jordan, my son. So when I when I had my daughter, when I saw my daughter come into this world, that really you know opened my eyes and said you know I really have to let these things go because it's causing problems in my life, mm-hmm. and it's not only me now. I have somebody that's in this world that I really have to take care of. So right. I really have to get I really have to get focused and you know make sure you know I was in a stable mindset so I can take care of my family. Mm-hmm. And you know ultimately you know I got myself together. I actually went back to school. And, uh, you know, I emphasize this to kids all the time. It's never too late because I just obtained my degree less than three months ago. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it's it's never too late. I mean, it's still a learning process for me. I mean, you deal with these type of things every day. You know, like I said, you know, with me and the sports thing, it's something that you still have to deal with every day. But, you know, me, you know, ultimately being in a place where I got my degree, you know, can take care of my family. I mean, those type of things really ease the pain that I went through, uh, you know, not being able to play sports anymore Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense so you were able to find a way to feel good about yourself and to do something good to stimulate your mind and find other options for you absolutely 
That's wonderful. I love that you were able to do that. And, you know, kids are a wonderful excuse to get up and do something and make something happen in our lives because they deserve that from their parents, definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm also, you know, you know, like I said, you know, I'm looking at the things that I'm doing now and I'm setting examples for my kids because, right. you know, they actually see, you know, you know, dad didn't, you know, wasn't able to obtain his dream playing sports, you know, but he ultimately went back to school and, you know, I'm setting examples for my children so they can grow up and be productive citizens. That's right. That's right. Now, during the time that you were in your deepest moments of depression, did you do any counseling? Did you take any antidepressants? Those are the things that people often call in the show about when they're struggling with their own issues and wanting resources or referrals. And I know that not everybody takes those paths, but some people do, and that helps. Right. Well, actually, I didn't, you know, luckily I didn't get to a point where I was so depressed that, you know, you know, I had to get counseling and, you know, things like that because, like I said, you know, everybody is different. You know, some people may have to get counseling. Some people may have to get medicated. Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the book, you know, I actually give 101 ways naturally that you can try to move past depression. But ultimately, to the answer to your question, no, I didn't get any counseling. I, actually, my counseling was my wife. Mm -hmm. Counseling mm -hmm. was my wife. And, you know, I advise anybody who's going through any form of depression, I mean, you can talk to anybody, you know, your, your, your pastor, you know, anybody in your family, somebody, your best friend, somebody to that you can sit down and actually talk to and express your feelings and, and how you feel about things, you know, because you ultimately can't do it yourself. Right. Because, you know, it's, it's very hard to try to do things yourself. And when you have that, you know, support from other people and, you know, you talk to other people and they, you know, go through some of the same things that you're going through, it really helps in that process. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think that that's very helpful when you have someone such as a partner who loves you and accepts you and, you know, wants to help you through whatever or be there for you. And so it's awesome that you were able to have that support from her. And it sounds like very unconditional love, which is amazing sometimes in this world it's hard to find very hard to find very hard to find I mean like you said you made a good point you know ultimately everybody I don't care who you are ultimately everybody needs some type of support support and wants to feel like they're wanted and mm -hmm. then want to make sure they feel like they have a reason for being here and that will help you mm -hmm. I, I agree completely absolutely tell the listeners about the book what is the book about what would it do for someone who read the book, how will it help them, and, and who is your audience that you're really speaking to? You know, some people ask me, they ask me, they, you know, they say, Keyshawn, what is your book about? And I tell them my book is about you. It's not about me. Mm. Because even though my book, you know, it, it, it tells my life story and, you know, the trials and tribulations that I had to go to, through, and it ultimately tells you how I, you know, came out of the depression. But, you know, when you read the book, it, you know, some part in the book, you'll say, well, you know, you went through those type of, you know, something, you know, related to your life in that book. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, like I said, it's, it's about everybody because everybody has problems. Everybody mm -hmm. has problems. I tell people all the time, it's not just a book about athletes, you know, and, and us, you know, going through forms of depression when we can't continue our careers it, it, it really is about everybody but it, you know ultimately it just tells about my life and the things that I had to go through and if you're going through some type of depression I give 101 ways naturally to move past depression and uh, actually I have uh, you know two inserts by two psychologists that are in there um, Tom Ferraro and uh, Dr. Tom Kearns, and also I have two uh, stories of other athletes that went through these same problems, and ultimately one of the stories, you know, thank God I got lucky and, you know, didn't ultimately, you know, 
wasn't here anymore, but one of the athletes, you know, committed suicide, and mm-hmm. it tells his, his story through his sister, Raquel, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting story. So, you know, I advise everybody or anybody who has any problem, this is definitely a book, to, you know, to help you through your trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said. That is so true. We all have problems in one form or another, and we all go through things. And I think sometimes that when people see someone successful like you, for instance, they think, oh, they've had such an easy life. They never have any problems. You know, they have this, they have that. And that's just not true because we're all human and we all, you know, go through things depending on whatever life circumstances come our way. So I'm glad that you're sharing that. And I really have to say that I love that you're able to really be authentic and share the depth of your story because as we know there's a lot of people who have been very successful or had amazing you know things happen in their lives and they're just not willing to share the real stuff the dirt if you will and I think that's critical that you're out here putting it all out there in the book you go out and you do motivational speaking and you really tell people the honest truth about what you've gone through about how you felt what you think and what you've done about it it really makes me feel good to be able to you know be in a position where I can sit down and and, and put my you know my life down on paper where people can read it because a lot of people don't know it's it's over 120 million people worldwide that you know goes through some type of form of depression and over 20 million here in the USA mm-hmm. so I mean like I said it's just it's the everyday person I mean you know like I said it may not be sports it may be something that you're going through you know emotionally or family problems or, or you know problems at your job that you may not you know be able to know how to to get rid of those stress and problems that you have mm-hmm. so like I said ultimately the book you know it, it, I think it is it's a good tool and it's, it's, it's a good tool to to read and and try to you know follow some of the the steps i have and maybe it can help you or anybody else and the list is in their life Mm -hmm. i agree and i love what you're saying because i think that depression for too long has been a negative stigmatism put on people and something that so many people did not want to talk about or were embarrassed about or ashamed of and so i love that once again here's a person who's gone through it experienced it and overcome it and says, you know what, it's normal, people. It happens to all of us at some time or another, in some form or another. And I just really uh, commend you for speaking out on this because it is a huge issue. And, And going back to what you mentioned in the book, there are people who don't survive it because they end up committing suicide. And that's a tragedy. And sometimes that leads back to not being able to have anyone to talk about it or to being too ashamed to say, hey, I'm depressed. You know, I'm, I need help. I'm going through this. Right. And, 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 and if you pay attention to it, the only thing you have to do is turn on the television. I mean, you see commercials where they, you know, offer types of medication for people going through depression. But one thing they don't say is, and which I think needs to be implemented, you know, just like, I mean, let's take, uh, you know, the epidemic of HIV. I mean, you know, they talk about HIV. They tell you, you know, you can prevent these diseases and stuff like that through abstinence and stuff like that. But they don't really televise, you know, certain places or numbers or, or, you know, hotlines or things like that. And you can call people if you're going through depression. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that needs to be implemented because, like I said, the average American goes through depression. I mean, the average American goes through it, and I think something needs to be implemented to help these people because we lose so many people to depression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people lose their careers to it. And I think, like I said, something needs to be done about that. And like I said, I, you know, I, I, from the grace of God, I, you know, I, I'm glad I'm in a position where I can actually vocally go out and speak to people and, and let them know you're not alone. 
That's right. I love that. I agree with you completely, and I think that as more and more people like you take a stand and speak out and do something about it, things will change You know, more and more over time. It just takes time. I'm share with the listeners uh, a few of the key points, because I know there's 101 ways to move past depression, but let's share some of the key ones before we wrap up. Well, I mean, it's it, it's a lot. I mean, and there's so many simple things that you can do to make you feel good about yourself. For instance, just something as simple as a haircut. I mean, maybe, you you know, you need a haircut or something. Think about it. When you go get a haircut or get your hair done or something, mm-hmm. you look in the mirror and you smile. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, wow, you know, I look a whole lot better. And actually, that kills two birds and one stone. Like I said, one thing is like you can get a haircut. And another thing is smiling, mm-hmm. smiling and laughing. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't understand that but uh, laughing is is a key to making yourself feel good because what it does is when you're happy and you're laughing and you know people telling you jokes and stuff like that what it does is it releases endorphins in your body which is the happy chemical that makes you feel good you know i have other things like blueberries and strawberries which you know they're real high in antioxidants which you know put chemicals in your body that you know help you feel better Mm -hmm. i mean you know uh, simple things like reading a book walking, you know, doing yoga, exercising, talking to people, you know, things of that nature. It's mm-hmm. very simple things, nothing that is expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, different types of, you know, herbs and spices that, you know, release the chemicals in your body that make you feel better and actually physically make you feel better because when you're in a deep form of depression, your body actually shuts down and you're mm-hmm. being in a lot of pain and a lot of people wonder why they're hurting or they go to the doctor and they can't figure out why they're having these chronic pains and it may be uh, due to a form of depression. Mm-hmm. That's right. A lot of it is just doing these small things that we somehow put aside or forget about because we're so depressed. Like you said, you wake up and you literally just don't even get out of bed because there's, right, you right. just feel like there's no reason. But simply getting up, getting some fresh air, getting some sunshine, exercising definitely changes the mood, I think, and the attitude. What's key, too, is that people continue to do this stuff. You can't just do it once in a while or once, you know, every six weeks. You really have to implement this into your life. And is that something that you had to kind of, you know, retrain your mind to do all this regularly and definitely have to do it and like you said you made a key point i mean you, you you can't do this once in a while you really have to make this a lifestyle you really have to make it a lifestyle and believe me when i tell you i mean when you implement this into your life it will it'll it'll make you feel a whole lot better another another thing that you know made me realize this you know like i said my my uh, middle brother darian he plays in canada and once i first visited canada i realized how much they implement, you know, eating right, you know, mm-hmm. not smoking and, and health and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, exercising, you know, I've I really never seen anybody that was overweight in Canada. You know, you look around, you see people riding bicycles, mm-hmm. you see them walking, you don't see all these fast food restaurants and stuff like that. And they implement good health in Canada. So that was, you know, something that I took with me back to the, to the States. And it really does help. It really does help. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think that, like you said, when you start to do these little things and you notice changes physically, it starts to affect you emotionally. So all around you begin to feel better. And then it really clears your mind to start to think about what is that backup plan and what do you do next and where do you go from here. 
Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, simple things is, you know, dieting and watch what you eat. You know, I think we, we, we're we so full of these fast food restaurants, all this cholesterol, grease, stuff like that. And it really does, you know, believe it or not, it really does cloud your judgment. Mm-hmm. It really does cloud your judgment. You know, you're feeling sluggish. You know, you're getting overweight and all those things. And that adds to depression if you're in a form of depression, you know, being overweight and, you know, not wanting to get out of bed and stuff like that. So, like I said, I mean, if you can implement these things in your life, Trust me, believe me, your your life would be a whole lot better. That's right, and it sounds like a good way to stop the vicious cycle that some of the listeners may be in. So we hope that you will check out the book. And today, Kishan has offered a book to one of our listeners. If you comment at the show at our website, yourstorymatters.net, you will be entered to win a copy of his book. And Kishan, can you share where listeners can find out more about you and order the book if they're not able to comment or wait to win one? I have several websites. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and I actually have my own website. My actual website is uh, my name, Kishan Durant, which is K-E-S-H-A-W-N Durant. D-U-R-A-N-T dot com. That's actually my website where you can order the book there. Or you can reach me at uh, info at Keyshawn Durant uh, on Twitter. And you can also reach me on Facebook at KeyshawnDurant.com. And not actually just ordering the book. I mean, if you have any problems or, you know, anything you're going through in your life, you can definitely contact me through any of those sites and I'll be more than willing you know to talk to anybody and try to help them if they have any problems. I think that's amazing that you're so willing to help others and reach out and to use your experience to really change lives and I do want to also remind people that you are a motivational speaker it'd be an awesome gift to have you come to speak to an organization or a group and certainly to our youth to encourage and inspire them about your story and about not giving up and making sure that you have dreams but you also have a backup plan you know if I can help one person I feel like I've done my job and you know people ask me also you know do I have any regrets about what happened in my life And if I could do it all over again, I would love to have went the same path that I have because I think my ultimate goal wasn't my talents and the ability that I could do on the field and on the basketball court. I think my ultimate gift was to come back and give back to these people Mm -hmm. so they won't go through these same, you know, trials and tribulations that I did. So it really makes me feel good to be able to, you know, give my opinions and and try to help people. And, And I'm really blessed for that. That's amazing. I agree with you. And thank you so much for sharing your story today and for your time. Today. Again, if anyone wants to find out more information, it's KeyshawnDurant.com. Thanks, Keyshawn. Thank you for having me today.